0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Real Estate Agents Podcast. I'm your host and real estate productivity expert, Kim Hughes. Join me as we focus on real strategies and implement real solutions designed for you to achieve major success in your business and life while getting you organized. Today, we have Lucy Hebron, who is an attorney here in Mineola, Texas, and she and I have known each other probably around 30 years, and she has owned her own law firm. She has also been a county judge, and then now she's back into private practice, and she is um, my yoga partner as well. So when we were at yoga about what, a month ago, we were talking and then you asked me if I knew about this particular CTA and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that conversation went pretty deep within just like three minutes. And then we had to start the session and we never picked it up. But I thought this is so important to get it out to not just real estate agents, but you know, if you're an entrepreneur, this applies to you. You don't have to be a real estate agent and think, oh, that CTA does not apply to me because I'm not real estate. This applies to every small business, every entrepreneur. And I'm going to kind of turn this over to Lucy because this is her area of expertise. So what she's going to do is explain to us what CTA means what the requirements are, what the deadlines are, and all the things that we have the questions about. I don't think a lot of people are talking about this right now. So I really am going to encourage my listeners to listen, save this podcast, revisit it. And if you know a small business owner, don't care what business they're in, forward this podcast to them because this is probably gonna be my most important podcast that I've done in the year that I have had a podcast going. So we're going to talk about the Corporate Transparency Act, which is called a CTA in short. So Lucy, I'm going to turn this over to you. But at first, I want you to give everybody a real in-depth background of you so that they know that, um, you know, this is the real deal and this is something serious to take and it's coming from somebody who knows what they're talking about.
1: So (laughs) So there you. you go. Thank you, Kim. Uh, thanks for asking me. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, visit with you and your listeners about this very important act. Um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, this is a monumental, big law for small businesses of every type. Um, did you tell me, you want me to give a little bit about my background and um, yeah. my, my experience and everything. So I've been a licensed yeah. attorney for uh, since, uh, oh gosh, more years than I want to count. Uh, over 30 years, I've been licensed to practice law in the state of Texas. A little disclaimer for listeners who are not in Texas, make sure you consult the laws in your own state. Uh, this mm-hmm. specifically is going to apply to uh, Texas as well as the, the federal statute. But I've been practicing um, business, uh, bankruptcy, general um, uh, practice, as most attorneys do in a small town. And I started my career in the big city of Houston, Texas. Uh, Practiced there right out of law school, went to the University of Houston Law Center, and then got my first job. Worked on the 37th floor of First City Tower building in downtown Houston, and went from that to one block from the Mineola Dairy Queen in Mineola, Texas, several years later, as you know, out here to the East Texas area, about 30 years ago to start a family. My husband took a job here and I set up my own shop where I began to, um, I never had this in the plans to start my own law firm, but it just sort of happened. And I did that off and on for the last 30 years. I do entity formation. I do a lot of business uh, formation, business monitoring. Um, Bankruptcy is my first love general practice probate and estate planning. But um, I've also been a county judge, as you mentioned, I did that Mm -hmm. uh, one term as a county judge here for the the good citizens of Wood County, Texas, which was a wonderful experience. But actually helping people with the law and their legal problems is uh, what I like to do the best. Um, I also teach at the local uh, college, the junior college, Tyler Junior College. I teach professional Mm -hmm. ethics in the paralegal program there. And I just recently finished my first book on bankruptcy. So um, I am a little bit versed in the law. And uh, I, like your listeners, don't like the color orange. And I want to make sure that I follow the law. And you probably know this, ignorance of the law is no excuse to anything. So I thought This is something that everyone needs to know, not just my clients that I've advised over the Mm -hmm. years, but everyone who's an entrepreneur or who has a small business, an LLC or a corporation, this is going to affect you. This is the single biggest piece of legislation uh, that's going to affect small businesses in about 10 years. And it applies mm. to whether you've got an old LLC or a corporation that's been kind of hanging out. You parked it somewhere and you haven't done anything with it to people who have active LLCs or corporations, as well as to those people who may think about incorporating next year in 2024. And there's three sets of uh, deadlines that you need to be conscious of, um, depending on the type of entity that you have. But the Corporate Transparency Act, um, In a nutshell, this was Congress's response to trying to combat um, anti-money laundering. It's their attempt to weed out the bad businesses from the good businesses. Just like you remember 9-11 when all things changed as far as airline security. They dumped all of us into the same pot. Everyone had to go strip there, take their shoes off and everything, trying to weed the good out from the bad. This is basically the same thing. It is now requiring all of us who have an LLC or a corporation to basically prove that we're legitimate um, so that they can uh, go after and uh, cross-reference the money launderers, the uh, traffickers, uh, the illicit businesses who try to do business in our country while hiding behind an LLC or a corporation. So that is the crux of CTA, mm-hmm. the Corporate Transparency Act. Um, in one fell swoop, they have passed this legislation, and we're now going to all be subject to it um, good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. It's a, it's you, know, a and that, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of frustrating because
0: it's always like, in my opinion, that the good people are paying for the bad people's mistakes. You know, it's like we, we, the good people who always try to do the right thing, live by the law, pay their taxes, do everything right. Then we're the ones that end up getting, excuse my language, screwed at the end of the day. And so this is another, like you said earlier, what was this? A a
1: Christmas present from the federal government. (laughs) That's right. Merry Christmas to all you businesses and entrepreneurs out there. Coming soon. January 1st, yeah. 2024. So would this, so if you would explain,
0: if, you know, when you say it's an LLC, um, you know, there's different corporations that you can file. So is this going to just affect an LLC or does it affect like other, L? you know, like what is it I'm trying to think
1: of? Like um, LLCs? Yeah. Yeah, so it affects... Any entity that has to file in a state to begin its official legal formation, whether it's an LLC, a single member LLC, a professional LLC, um, any type of corporation, and I'll talk about the exceptions to that. But for the most part, if you are a business and particularly a small business, you are going to be subject to the act whether you were exempt or not, which means if your entity is still in existence and it's still a a legal entity, even though you have had it on the shelf and haven't done anything with it for years, you're gonna be subject to this reporting requirement, like it or not. Even if you claim an exemption, you're still gonna have to jump through the hoops uh, to comply with the filing requirements. And at the end of the day, the whole point of this is to create a massive federal database that will tell the Department of the Treasury, the federal government, law enforcement agencies, and banking institutions, who is it that's doing business in the United States? If you're a a beneficial owner or you own 25% or more of an LLC or corporation, you have to disclose Um, the background information that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, This is going to really, like I said, it's going to have so many far-reaching effects on people. And if you're like me, um, I don't look good in orange. I know you don't look good in orange. Nobody looks good in orange, but uh, you're going to have to file this report one way or the other. And the penalties are not mild. We'll talk about them in a minute, but If you're like these people, you do not want to get a letter from the IRS uh, talking about an LLC or a corporation, even if it's defunct and you've had it inactive. Um, So we're going to talk about some of the steps your listeners are going to have to take in order to get off the IRS's uh, radar.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this. If you have an LLC and like you said, you've had it on the shelf you haven't touched it, you just created it and then life got crazy and you just went, oh, I'll deal with that later. They will still have to pay this fee. But if they have not done anything with it and they don't plan to do anything with it, can they just close it out? And Is there a procedure that they go through to close it and to avoid that fee?
1: Absolutely. So If you have uh, something that's been sitting on the shelf, that's what I'm advising my clients to do. If you have something that's been sitting there for a while, you're never going to resurrect it. You haven't done any business in the last couple of years. Why keep it alive? Just go ahead Mm -hmm. and do what we call in the legal world. Just kill it. Tank it. Just as you had to go file something with the state to form that entity, You need Mm -hmm. to go to the state and kill that entity, file your certificate of dissolution, get rid of it. Not only do you wanna kill it, but then you're also going to want to notify the IRS that the entity is no longer in existence and give them the employer ID number and let them know, hey, uh, this is no longer uh, an active LLC or corporation. And furthermore, we're no longer going to be using this EIN number because that's how they're going to cross-reference everything. And you you sure as heck don't want to be hanging out there and even have to file this report if you're not really planning on transacting business in the future Mm -hmm. or or resurrecting this entity. But that that is one of the tips I was going to to give for your listeners at the very end. Um, If you're like a lot of people and you're a serial entrepreneur, maybe you've got lots of little things that you've started over the years and they may be hanging out there. You may have forgotten. I would encourage your listeners to go ahead and call their Secretary of State's office. Uh, here in Texas, I know the number by heart. 512-463-5555 and ask if your entity is still active and on on the registry as an entity. If they tell you it's there or inactive and it's still on file, by all means go file your certificate of dissolution and end it so that you're okay. not on the IRS's uh, radar. Um, okay. And know I keep referring to the IRS, but let me tell you the name of the entity that's going to oversee this whole thing. It's called FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. FinCEN is going to be, it's already operating. They're the ones that watch the bad guys and uh, the money launderers and the traffickers and all that. But FinCEN is the one that's going to oversee this reporting requirement pursuant to the Corporate Transparency Act. They're going to require everyone to go online if you're subject to the act. You have to e-file this report. It's called a Beneficial Information Report. Sorry, Beneficial Information Report. Yeah, the BIR is what's going to have to be filed in order to comply with the law. And the the report, we're we're getting into the reporting requirements now. The report itself, this is the crazy part. You know how uh, if you're representing a client like we do, I'll go online, I'll file their certificate of formation. We'll file their uh, statement of their registered agent if we need to change or update. We could do all that online through e-filing. And I file it on behalf of my client. With this new requirement under the CTA, even the person who submits the information to FinCEN has to themselves supply all their identifying information, name, address, birth date, social security number, residence address. So it's all one big uh, cross-reference database of the pertinent information required so that the government can track the bad businesses from the legitimate business. Right. yeah. Well, let me ask you this: so if I own an LLC and I
0: have say three people on my board, the LLC has to pay the fee, not the three board members, right? That
1: that is correct. If okay. Your if your board members own twenty five percent or more of your LLC, or they are what we call People who have substantial control in your LLC, that would be an officer, a director, or a manager. Anyone with substantial control or 25% interest has to be on that um, report, the BIR, Mm -hmm. that you will file on behalf of your LLC.
0: Okay. So we need to make a note of that. So then when you are filing this, okay, so
1: do you need an attorney to do the paperwork or does your CPA do the paperwork? That is a great question. And I'm sure one that your listeners are going to want to know. My first thought would be contact your CPA if he does your business filings already with the state. Your CPA could do it. Uh, Your attorney could do it. There are outfits online. I I watched a podcast the other day of uh, some outfit that's offering to do it for 200 bucks. Um, They will get the information from you, but then you have got to feel comfortable with turning over this very confidential information to this entity on the internet to make sure that they get things filed for you. So um, we're going to recommend that you stick with your CPA if your CPA is going to do it um, and or your attorney. Uh, because, uh, I I don't know if we talked about the, the exact reporting requirements, but it's not only the name of the entity, it's the doing business as name. It's the EIN number entity. And then it is the information, the personal information of those two categories we talked about substantial control person or beneficial ownership, 25% or more. You've got to list mm. their names, their birth dates, their social security numbers, their residence address, and then what type of, um, are they a beneficial owner? What's their capacity with the LLC or the corporation? Does that make sense?
0: Driving it does, and it's
1: crazy. And passport. Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. You know, this is crazy. Um Okay, so let me ask you, let me just confirm what I just heard. So if I if I am not an LLC and I just filed a DBA with the state, the DBA still has to pay that, right? No, no. If okay. you were
1: if you are an LLC, any type of limited liability company or a corporation. So in okay. other words, it's any in- entity that files with a state repository for entity formation. Gotcha. So Kim, right mm-hmm. now, if you went down to the county clerk's office, you as Kim Hughes could just go do a DBA, but you file with the county. You're not filing with the state. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. Therefore, you are not subject. It's only for those entities that are using the states to form their businesses. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And let me just kind of
0: piggyback on what you said earlier, is that Lucy is in the state of Texas. So if you're in the state of Texas and you don't have an attorney, you don't have a CPA, she could be somebody you reach out to. But if you live in another state, again, call your um, uh, treasury department, call your lawyer, call your CPA that's in that state to get what you have to do. Even though this is federal, You still need to know and you still need to do it in your state. So I just want to make sure that, you know, you don't get a call from California asking you to help them with this because you couldn't, you know, so it just, Lucy only is talking about Texas, but it is a federal thing.
1: That is absolutely correct, Kim. And that brings up another interesting point that you mentioned. This law is a federal law, so it applies to the United States and all the LLCs and corporations. Now states, before this law was passed, individual states did not have this same type of monitoring uh, requirement, but guess what? This law was passed in 2021 um, and it's just now coming into effect in 2024. So there are several states that have already set up sort of piggyback state requirements wanting the same type of information filed with the states um so those states would be new york already has that as well as california so um who knows right. but it's just a it's a huge burden for those of us who have a small business yeah One more thing that we've got to worry about because if we don't get these reports filed and they're not filed in a timely manner uh the penalties are substantial uh 500 yeah. so let's go go ahead So let's
0: go over those penalties and those deadlines, because to me, when you were telling me that in yoga, I was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get on this.
1: (laughs) Yes. So the penalties are pretty stiff. If you do not file this initial report. um, And also, if you do not notify FinCEN of changes to any of your board ownership, residence addresses or anything. There's additional uh, requirements on that too, but it's a $500 a day fine for each entity and jail time, up to two years in jail. Uh, I don't know how FinCEN is going to monitor 32 to 40 million LLCs in this country, LLCs and corporations. But believe me, if there's a way, they're going to they're gonna find it, right? They'll do it. And yeah. they're going to have it. to enforce it. And they're going to cross-reference everybody and everything. So mm. you want to make sure if you're listening out there and you got an LC LLC or a corporation, please make sure that you comply with this act. Um, yeah, your business partners, your family, your friends are going to thank you for it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So what would the deadline be for 2024? So if I've been in business for 24 years and I'm an LLC, then, and I'm in the state of Texas. So when would my deadline
1: be and how much is that fee? Okay. So there's no fee to file, electronically file this report. As far as I know, I don't think I've seen the final regulations on this. As you know, because this is brand new, there may be some implementing um, regulations that go along with it. From what I understand, there's no cost to do this other than having to go to your CPA or your attorney um, in order to electronically file. But here's the deal. If you have an entity that's already been formed before 2020, January 1st of 2020, if you have an existing entity that's been on file this whole time. No, I take that back. If you have a current entity that's in existence as of right now, if it's an active LLC, your deadline for filing will be next year, December 31st of 2024. The window will open for filing on January 1st of 2024. Does that make sense? So 24 cur- or 25? 24. So current okay. LLCs who are active will have all of next year to make this filing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. an active entity, LLC or corporation, you can start your registration, your e-filing beginning January the 1st of 2024, and you have all the mm-hmm. way through the end of 2024. But don't wait to the last minute because you know what happens. Systems go down. But at least you've got a nice buffer. And hopefully there'll be time enough to educate everybody that this is what you're going to be subject to. Now, the rules Mm -hmm. are different for inactive entities. If you have an entity that was formed January the 1st of 2020, up till now, and you haven't done anything with it, it hasn't transacted more than $1,000 uh, in any given time. It's just been sitting on a shelf. You have an additional time to file.
0: Okay.
1: <clears throat> but again, my recommendation is go ahead and tank those. Just get rid of them because you don't want to get any letter um, from the IRS or FinCEN in the mail. Right. Those entities going forward. All right. If you're going to file next year in 2024, you're going to form an LLC or a corporation. Here's the deal: as soon as you form your entity with the state by doing the state filing, whatever it is in your state, you have 90 days to get your report on file. So that's a very short time frame for businesses. And again, those are only for new entities formed after January 1st of 2024. Okay. 90 days. And if you don't make that 90 days, you are out of compliance with the CTA and you run the risk of being subject to the $500 per day fine, up to two years in jail. Now, so go ahead. Go ahead. Then, if you make any changes, next year to your current active entity or your new entity. So from January 2024 going forward, if you have any change in ownership, any change Mm -hmm. in residence of your beneficial owners or those with substantial control, you have 90 days to update with FinCEN by electronic uh, filing. So there's okay. a lot of moving parts here, and you got a lot of people, um, a lot of us in our our age are going in between two homes, maybe, in different states. Mm-hmm. They'll go season, for summer they'll go up north, for summer they'll go to Florida. Uh, you're going to have to pick a primary residence and go ahead and file that primary residence. But if you maintain two of them, uh, good luck, my friend. Oh, wow. You, you may get a letter uh, from FinCEN. So the the best advice is, hey, go ahead, take care of your business, know where you are at this point in time with your LLC. Is it active? Is it not active? If it's not active, go ahead and take care of it. Just get rid of it. Um, okay. Not only do you want to do that, you want to tank it with the state, you want to send the letter to the IRS, to FinCEN, letting them know, hey, this entity is no longer viable it has been dissolved, we're not using the EIN number, but go ahead and talk to your bank, any institution you've done business with uh, monetarily, uh, PayPal, um, Zelle, wh- whatever these yeah. little online applications are, let them know, hey, this business is no longer active, it's been dissolved, it's been terminated, and we're no longer gonna use this EIN number. Um, for new entities going forward that start next year, If you're thinking about forming a new business in 2024, it's going to be an LLC. One of the things you may now face is, you know, how you go to the bank and open up a corporate bank account or a bank account for the entity. But don't be surprised if the bank says to you, before we can do this, we need proof that you filed your report with FinCEN. Where's your BIR? So there's all these little extra considerations you need to be thinking of going forward if you're operating an mm. LLC or a corporation. Okay. Um, now, one of the things we, we did not talk about, you want me to go ahead and talk about the exceptions to this act?
0: Yeah, let me ask you two things first. Um, I'm listening to you and taking notes.
1: <laughs> so if I
0: am an LLC um, in 23, and then I'm going into 24 as an LLC, but I'm planning to retire in 2024 and dissolve the LLC. Do you still have to file and then turn
1: around and dissolve the LLC all at once? Or how do you know how that would work? So there haven't been, like I said, there haven't been a lot of implementing regulations as is common with big pieces of legislation, because they got to think about all these little details and the nuances, but I would I would always encourage you, if you know you've got this whole period of time from January 1 of next year through December 31st, if you're gonna go ahead and you know you're gonna tank your LLC or do away with it, you are perfectly okay to go ahead and do that. And then you are off the hook for the reporting requirement. But just keep in mind, Kim, If you have that EIN number for the LLC, if you tank the entity, send a letter to the IRS letting them know, hey, I have dissolved this entity. It's no longer legally active. It's been terminated. And I will no longer be using this EIN number that's associated with it. Because what they're going to do is they're going to cross-reference everything. You know you've tanked it, right? Next year. right. But the IRS won't know. So that's just a little tip that I would tell mm-hmm.
0: people. Okay. And then the second question is, I know that if we don't file by the twenty December 24, we will be penalized on a daily basis of $500 and then there's jail time. Is there a fee to file the CTA? Is there any like when you
1: send in that paperwork, do you have to send them a check or anything like that? No, because um, again, as far as what I've been reading from all the the white papers from the law firms, the American Bar Association has written about this extensively. There is no fee per se for going online and filing the BIR, the Beneficial Information Report. There's no fee for that. The fee is going to be If you pay someone to do it for you, your CPA, your attorney, or some of these outfits that are now popping up, um, you know, taking advantage of this really high volume of reporting that's going to have to be done. Um, Mm -hmm. This entity that I mentioned, if you look online, there are law firms who will do it for 200 bucks for you. Um, But there is no, there's no cost or charge to, do your filing online of the BIR the beneficial information report okay. does that make sense? Okay. Yes.
0: So basically you're just paying somebody to do it for you unless you do it yourself. And yes. we don't advise you to do it yourself. You know, so make sure that you either talk to an attorney or talk to your CPA, talk to your state to get the the full information that you need to handle it. So what we're doing here is um, just giving you this information because literally I have not heard anybody talk about this until you and I were at yoga.
1: <laughs> well, and, there's, and so, if you notice, there's very few podcasts out there too, because yeah. I do my research for my clients and I'm like, oh, whoa, I had not heard about this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay,
1: so, yeah. So let's talk about.
0: um, Well, let me ask you this. The other question on the the B.I.R., which is the Beneficial Information Report, is that once you file it, is it public record so I could go and look at
1: whoever's or is that secure? So that is a great question, Kim. Um, I was asking myself that and I know your listeners are probably thinking the same thing. No, this is not a public database. This is still Mm -hmm. going to be private information, just like when you file your tax return with the IRS and only Mm -hmm. certain individuals um, have access to it through the government. This is a private, huge database. So the only ones that are going to have access to this will be the IRS, Department of the Treasury, certain state law enforcement and federal law enforcement, people who are doing the tracking of the money, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And banking institutions. So only those entities, and again, they have very strict requirements on how those entities can even obtain the information. But again, this is an anti-money laundering law And it's meant to try and weed out and track the bad guys from the good guys. So uh, if you're worried about that, um, I've I've heard people already say, well, hey, the government already knows everything about you anyway. You file your taxes. They know where you live. They know your social security number. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not have your driver's license, but um, I know I do a lot of filings with the uh, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and we also do the filings online. And there's a very complicated procedure you have to go through to be able to use their online filing system. It's a secured Mm -hmm. website. I had to put a copy of my driver's license on there. So, you know, they've got most of the information on all of us anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody has our information. It's just. You know, it's kind of like my husband and I were talking about, um, you know, when TikTok first came out, oh, don't put it on your phone. They'll be able to track all your data. And I'm like, "Uh, everybody else is already tracking that data. It's the attention that you draw to yourself that makes them tap into that data, you know? And so I'm like, you know, if you're out there acting like a crazy person, yeah, they're going to tap into that data. (laughs) You know, but like my husband said, if they, if they, it's kind of like the, um, the Alexis that you have in your home, you know, they hear everything, and it's like if my husband said, "If they have nothing better to do than to listen in to us, bless their
1: hearts," <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. And I'm like, you know, they probably pop in every now
1: and then, but you know, yeah. Well, what are you do you know we we we, we never know. Um, yeah. So. The exceptions. I don't know. There is a whole list of exceptions to this act, a lot of which are not going to apply to you, me or your listeners. But they're all uh, sophisticated, large um, entities like securities, um, exchange people, insurance companies, uh, broker dealers, uh, Exchange Act registered entities, banks, domestic government authorities, public utilities, the list goes on and on. Uh, But there's two that may impact your listeners. One is the big corporation exception. And that is if you've got, uh, let me make sure I got this, 20 or more full-time employees or you gross $5 million in revenues, operational revenues per year. So if Hmm. that's what you are, you are not subject to the act. You still have to file the report and click we're exempt. But- you're not subject to anything else. The second uh, exemption that may apply to some of your listeners is what they call the inactive entity exemption. And like I mentioned before, if you had an entity that was already in existence before January 1, 2020, which is when this law was conjured up If that entity did no business, had no change in ownership, no monetary dealings, no assets, or no transactions of $1,000 or more in the last 12 months, then guess what? Mm -hmm. You can hit that exempt button. Check the button. Okay. Send off your BIR and you should be good. But my tip, this humble tip from this one attorney is if you do that, Send a letter to the IRS and let them know, hey, this is an inactive entity. Mm-hmm. I filed my report. Don't mess with me. Don't send me any. Because yeah. you're going to be So on not only office. file it, but let the IRS
0: know. Because if the, the, the state may not tell the IRS. So you've got to tell the IRS as well. And
1: That's then right.
0: do you have to file this every year
1: or is it a one time and done thing? So I have seen conflicting information on this. I'm going to go and say that this is a one-time filing that you do initially with your entity. But then keep in mind, if anything changes as far as ownership changes, owner managers, the people, if they move, if the percentage of ownership changes, that all needs to be updated Within 90 days of any change in that information. Okay. With that one little topic. Okay.
0: All right. Well then um what else do we need to talk about to give everybody information on this? Have we have we left anything out?
1: I think we covered this everything. This is so important. We covered what the CTA, the uh, Corporate Transparency Act is, and it's just a tool that the government is going to put everybody in a big database. If you're an LLC or a corporation, you need to make sure that in addition to doing your state maintenance filings, that now you're going to have a new federal filing um, and you have to disclose substantial ownership or uh, 25 percent ownership of all the people associated with your entity. We talked about the penalties for noncompliance, and they are great. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about the couple of exceptions to the act. And the last thing would be just practical tips for your listeners would be check the status of your entity. Number one, know where Mm -hmm. you are. If it's old, go ahead and take care of it, tank it, close it down legally through your state, notify the IRS it's been tanked. And you won't be using the EIN number, close out any bank accounts associated with that number because you just don't want to be on their radar. And then again, if you do right. have an entity and you're doing business or you plan to do business next year, talk to your CPA, talk to your attorney, uh, make sure that you're in compliance with this uh, CTA. We sure as heck don't want to see anyone in orange jumpsuits um, over there. No, 50th. no.
0: This new or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's. So here's a question. If I have, if I am a small business entrepreneur and I have more than one bank account associated with my LLC, do I need to give each bank a copy of that um, BIR? BIR? So each bank has to have a copy of that on record as well, most likely.
1: I would say uh, so that you're prepared, you can anticipate that the banks may ask for that with respect to any entity okay. or account that you have. And just okay. make sure you provide that so that there's no glitches or hangups with right. your banking and your ability to transact business. Okay.
0: And then um, this, I always look at things as, there is no stupid question. <laughs> So I'm going to ask this question. If I have my business credit card with another bank, so let's say I bank over here, but my credit card is with this bank. Do I need to supply that credit card bank with that BIR?
1: You know, I don't think I would provide that, Kim, unless it was asked for. Okay. Um, Okay. That is just, you know, I don't know how they're going to do the certificate that you've complied with this. I don't even know if that's been thought about, but there's got to be some proof. You know how you send off your tax return and CPAs have some sort of receipt that they get. I'm assuming that you may have the same sort of information. And if that is Mm -hmm. nothing more than a generic Kim Hughes and here's her LLC and she's complied, that's one thing. I wouldn't hesitate to get that out. But if it's got your personal identifying information, I would Hmm. hold that close to me. Hold on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean,
0: it's it's, talking about the confidential stuff is you think that, you know, like if you're sitting in public and you're talking to someone and I'll give you a perfect example, it's funny, but it's not funny. It made me realize people are listening, but I had something taken from me without knowing about it. It was through my grocery store. You know how grocery stores give you the thank you cards and you earn points and all of that. So my local grocery store, you get gas points. So my husband, I told my husband, I said, you've got like X amount of points. You need to go use them before the end of the month, blah, blah, blah. He went went up there, came back and he goes, uh, there was like no points available. He goes, are you sure? And I pulled out my receipt and showed it to him. I said, that's crazy. So I called the grocery store. They said, oh, we'll call this number, call that number. And they pulled it up on their records. And, you know, we live in Mineola and the town that those points were used in was an hour away. But they said, most likely, they said, we see this all the time that people, you know, like if you're in the stand, if you're checking out, Oh, what's your thank you card number? And you give them your phone number and then they tell you how many points you have out loud. And it made me realize somebody heard me give out my phone number Went to the another town to use those points for gas, which, I mean, I look at it this way. Yeah, they shouldn't have done it. It was stealing. But at the same time, I pray that those people are the ones that really needed the gas. You know what I mean? And wow. so um, we had to change our number they were polite enough to give us our points back. They didn't have to do that, but we changed our number, and now I have created a card. So when I go somewhere and somebody wants my private information, I give them that card, and I tell them don't repeat anything because people are listening. Exactly. And people, they think I'm crazy, but I'm like I'd rather be looked at like I'm crazy than somebody steal my identity. Certainly. You know. So just be careful when you're when you're looking at companies. Um, that offer to do this type of filing for you and make sure they're legit, um, I'm always going to be the one that says, call your your attorney, call your CPA. If you don't have one, then find somebody locally that knows what they're doing and ask them about this. And I would say even, um, because we put the show notes with the podcast, print out your show notes and use this as a guideline when you're talking to attorney, talking to CPA, talking to the state to get your information, because all we're doing is giving you the information and then we're expecting you to take it and do what you're supposed to do with it legally. You know, exactly. so this is FYI, it's very important. So I hope that everybody that's listening understands the importance of this and the repercussions if you don't follow through. So, you know, you're going to be doing mine. So, <laughs> so. Okay, so is there anything else that I'm looking at my notes? I think we've covered everything. Um, Have you thought of anything maybe we haven't covered? Uh,
1: I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, Just make sure your driver's license and your passports are all up to date and current so they're not expired because they won't accept uh, expired personal identification information that and uh, check the status of your entity wherever you're at um i think i gave the phone number for the texas secretary of state's office um you can always go to the website here in texas also that is sos.state.tx.us you can check certain information with the texas secretary of state's office on that website also okay Now, this is all applying to Texas. So if you are in another state, which most likely you
0: are, then you need to call your state and find out what you're supposed to do. Even though this is a federal, you still need to talk to your state to make sure everything is agreeable to what federal is asking. And, um, okay. Well, I think we've given them enough information. Um, hopefully they'll take this seriously and, you know, um, It's just one of those things where as an entrepreneur, you're trying to do everything. Sometimes you're one person running the show and put this on the top of your list. Do not wait until October 1st to do this.
1: Yes, (laughs) please don't wait to to December 30th to do it.
0: Oh, good Lord. I mean, if, if anybody understands, and I think everybody does, that once October comes, It's holiday time and people get so wrapped up in the holidays. You're probably going to be sick because, you know, your kids just went back to school. So now they're bringing home all their germs. Um, Make sure you do this early so that you don't forget or something prevents you from doing it. And then you're being fined $500 a day.
1: I day. I would echo that. I can't emphasize that enough, Kim. That is such prudent advice. If you're like me, if you tried to get uh, a CPA to talk to you right now or an attorney at this time of year, good luck. Don't wait to the last minute. Mm -hmm. Be proactive. Do your due diligence. If you have an attorney or CPA who doesn't know what this law is, and it's scary, but there's attorneys out there who have never heard of this, Mm -hmm. uh, find one who does, who can take care of your entity for you so that you are in compliance. Yeah totally agree
0: thank you so much you are always full of information for me and you keep me when you tell me something i'm like i come straight home write it down and i'm
1: like okay we got to do this well you <laughs> know so- i feel kind of bad kim cuz you're always telling people you know how to how to build their business how to market themselves how to save money how to be more organized and here i am telling you how not to go to jail i mean it's not very yeah. sexy but-
0: It's not sexy, but it's the reality of our world, you know, and so just be compliant. And I know as a real estate agent, because I've worked with you all for 30 years, um, don't wait till the last minute because it will give you a headache. Um, And if you're another business and you're listening to this podcast, you know, make sure you check into it. This applies to every small business, every entrepreneur. Anybody that owns an EIN number or an LLC or a corporation. So, um, like I said, I would appreciate it if everybody would take this seriously, share the information, share the podcast, whatever you have to do to keep your friends and your family from getting into a situation that they may not have heard about until the last minute. Because I literally have not heard about this until you and I talked. Until you know, yoga class. Yeah. And yoga. I mean, you would think it would be on the news. It would be from the, you know, the IRS would be sending out emails. The state would be doing something, but they're not. So you've got to take care of yourself, you know, in this situation. Well said. All right, lady. Well, thank you again so much for your time, your knowledge. Um, it's, I think literally, I really think this is the most important podcast I've done yet. And, um, it'll, it'll be starred for sure. And it'll be repeated multiple times for people to get it out there. So, um, all right. And so with that said, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much and anything else that you have that we need to know about you, just let me know and we'll pull you back onto the podcast and
1: we'll go from there. Absolutely. Thank you, Kim, so much. It was a pleasure visiting with you about this important big law for our small businesses. Thanks again. Yes. Thank you.